Everybody head for the end zone. Here comes pressure. 13 hurry up, seconds. Hurry up. And they've got, they come. got it off. Here comes Carr. Here Steps come. back. Now he comes up. Going to fire again. Left side. Going for Ruggs. Ruggs has got it. Touchdown. Jackpot, baby. Vegas touchdown. Vegas touchdown. Jackpot. And away. And now the Giants need one more play on defense to leave the Pacific Northwest with a win. And end the Seahawks' four-game winning streak against the Giants. And the Giants trying to win for the fourth consecutive game. Fourth and 18. From the Seahawks, 46. Three receivers left. Wilson takes the snap. He's back to throw. He's under pressure. Flushed out to his left. Stands back there. Now he's going to moonball it down the middle of the field. High in the air. Batted down and incomplete. And the New York Giants are going to leave Seattle with a victory as they stop the Seahawks on 4th and 18. 17 to 12 to score with 37 seconds to go. Minus three with Dave Damashek and Jeff Schwartz. Do it, fellas. Hi, and hello, sports fans. Welcome to another exciting episode of Minus Three, an exciting weekend of football action, college and pro, awaiting your eyeballs and your hearts. Jeff Schwartz, Eddie Spaghetti, and Dave Damashek here, ready to break it all down for you. How are you, fellas? What's going on there, Jeff Schwartz? I am fabulous. It's already week 14. Can you believe that, Dave? Week 14. It's weird. Four regular season weeks left. Yes, legitimately weird that we are in week 14. I don't know how this ended up happening, but uh, but yeah, good times and uh, humongous football games coming up, especially in the NFL. Everybody is looking at the standings, and we're going to get into them and what they mean. You got to keep in mind, all these win-loss totals and my team's going to the playoffs and all this, remember, your win-loss total is not siloed from the rest of the league, nor are your team's yeah. games. You must play each other, as the Colts and Raiders fans are about to find out. One of those teams emerges from that game with an L in the loss column, and then this knocks them down, which is why I think the Baltimore Ravens, by Tuesday morning, assuming they play that game, will end up um, looking much better than they look already um, going into this weekend. People are sleeping on the Baltimore Ravens. That's one, te- that's one team that we'll get into here. But with no further ado, let's get into our brand new um, little picks thing here at the top of the thing. We like to focus on the Northeast here. So here are the rules, Eddie Spaghetti and Jeff Schwartz. We're each going to make our win play show bets uh, for the week. Those are our three best bets. We'll do them in, in ascending order. I'll start us off with my, with my show bet here, the one that I'm third most confident in. And I'm going to go with, I would never put money on this because you know my rooting interests. I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills, giving two and a half. I was frankly surprised when I saw on Tuesday morning that it opened at one and a half for the home team here after Buffalo laid waste to San Francisco. What night was that? Was that Monday night? It's all confusing for me now. <laughs> but I'm going to, uh, I'll, I'll say that a objective better probably should like the home team in that one. Bills giving two and a half. Schwartz, how say you? Worth pointing out, too, fanduel.com slash minus three. Join us in, in all these bets we're making. Um, so this show bet for me is going to be – what I put, I put Cardinals minus two and a half at the Giants. So let's talk about this game for a little bit. Um, 
One is the Giants obviously had a big win against Seattle. And if you watch that game, the Giants deserve to win. But Russell Wilson, man, this guy's wide open. Like, you can, you can, you're allowed to throw to wide open wide receivers. It's okay to do that. Um, which I, I just, I know that we want to talk about how great the Giants defense played, but there were dudes open everywhere. Russell Wilson just didn't throw to Baltimore. I don't know why. There's plenty of threads on Twitter showing a bunch of guys open that he just didn't throw to. Um, and the Cardinals, literally can't play any worse than they have the last month. Um, I don't know what's happening to their offense. I mean, I do know. Their offense is just stagnant. It's just they, they need to incorporate more movement, more motion. But Blake Martinez being out for the Giants does worry me because I think he's a big part of what they do on defense. And, Eddie, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think he's playing this weekend, right? At least not of recording. I haven't seen anything yet, but, uh, yeah, it will definitely affect the run game. Uh, so and, I am and Arizona is that. really good at running the football out of all things. They're really creative running the football, which is odd because they're not creative in the past game. So I like Arizona here on the road. Uh, Kingsbury is really good as a dog as well. I, I would also throw in there the uh, conspiracy theorist thought that I've had and Cousin Sal has had, and we've, co- we've uh, talked about it on extra points a little bit. Kyler Murray – the idea that player that coaches or teams decide like we can't run our quarterback. Obviously, the Cardinals have no reluctance to run Kyler Murray around. I think it, Kyler Murray must have something wrong with that shoulder the last few weeks because he has not taken off as much as he was in the first ten or so weeks of the season. Agreed. This leads me to believe that he is saying to uh, to to Kingsbury and company. Let's uh, settle down on any design run plays for number one here. I, I, and obviously that's going to limit the offense because he's a middle-class passer at this point. Yeah. Um, nevertheless, I like that pick quite a bit. Spaghetti, you go. So my show pick here, um, Dave picked the Bills uh, giving two and a half. I'm going to pick the Steelers. I know last week uh, maybe, right. out of spite, maybe, maybe out of spite I picked the uh, the Washington FT to to win that game. But, um, look, I still think the Steelers are a good team, and I know the, the Bills are a good team as well, but um, they're pretty even in my book, and you've given the Steelers at least two and a half extra points. Um, I think they will rebound and find a way to win this game. It's going to be a close one, but I do like the Steelers in this one. All right, let's snake it back there. What's your, uh, what's your place bet for? For the week spaghetti and by the way we got to figure this out how should we do this i think if you if you hit on your show bet you get plus one okay right and then if you hit on your place you get plus two and if you okay. hit on your uh, or something should you I'm also get should you also take a negative should you take a minus two if you're wrong on this one and it's by the way is. what are the stakes i think the stakes should be uh weekly fifteen thousand dollars that's that um, fair. That's great. Yeah, I think neg- negatives may get a little uh, tricky with it, but if we okay, we'll just do it this way. Points. So yeah. you're most confident you should get extra. Uh, you should get extra value among the three of us, and we Agreed. encourage you, the listener, to play along with us. Okay, uh, we're figuring it out as we go. Spaghetti, your place bet of the week. My place bet. This could have been my my win bet. I really like this one a lot. Um, two mobile quarterbacks. You got the Eagles versus the Saints this week. Eagles are home uh, home dogs in six and a half points as of now on FanDuel.com slash minus. So you'll see it all there. And uh, really, what it comes down to is I think one Jalen Hurts gives the team a really big spark. He looked to Jalen Rager a lot their first round pick. I like that. Um, on the other hand, Taysom Hill. I mean, it's no it's no shock that this the Saints offensive players like Alvin Kamara notably. They don't play as well without Drew Brees. And I just think that Taysom Hill's story is just going to kind of not come to a crashing end because Brees will return soon. But I just like the Eagles in this one being home, getting six and a half. Um, Shorts, what's your place bet? And maybe we'll talk more about this game. But I I actually agree with with Eddie here because the Saints are in a great look-ahead spot for the Chiefs next weekend. And, you know, they're going to just – I think they're just going to do enough to just get out of this game with a win. Like, it's just like, let's just – 
it's going to be 20 to 14. It's going to be like something like 2017. It's going to be really low like that. And speaking about this game, I like the Eagles team total under 18 for a couple of reasons. One is that Jalen Hurts didn't look terribly impressive against a bad Packers defense, right? And a lot of his stats were at the end of the game, they're down 20, it's fourth and 18, completes a long touchdown pass. He, he, didn't, he didn't look like it was anything different than what Carson Wentz could be, right? But what really had me thinking about this bet was Doug Peterson came out and said, yeah, we're going to run the ball more, screen pass, like, get out of here. Like, come on, really? So they're just going to dial the, the playbook back even more. The Saints defense is really good. And even in all these games, the, the two Falcons team, they play well, they play well in Denver as well. They're feeling themselves, and I expect their defense to play well this weekend. I, I just think the Eagles' 18 points is a lot to ask for Jalen Hurts against this defense. I like that, and also I think a lot of people probably in their brains, like I did this morning, decided, you know, it's Taysom Hill versus uh, Jalen Hurts. Boy, that under is going to be juicy, but look it up. It's 43 and a half, so Absolutely. it's not some lofty point total. Everybody has that same thought as you, uh, clever better. Everybody thinks that it's going to be a big eight style 1984 game where both teams are running at each other. True, but 43 and a half ain't that many. So I'm a little spooked by that one. Instead, I'm going to go with an under in another game for my place bet here. I'm going to go with the Jets and Seahawks going under 46 and a half because my math is pretty straightforward on this. The Jets stink. I don't know where they're going to come up with any point. The Seahawks got shamed at home last week. They've got to get the other New York team and start feeling better about themselves defensively. I think they almost completely shut down the Jets offense. And that leaves how many points are the Seahawks going to hang on anybody? Even if they hang in the mid-30s, that could be enough for them to land um, in in the uh, under spot there. So I'm going to go under uh, New York Jets, Seahawks, 46 and a half. And my win for the week is plug your ear, Spaghetti, you won't like this one. I'm going with the Cardinals at the New York Giants. I think it's a great story. I think it's a fun story. I hope for your team, Spaghetti, and for your um, for your family, your lovely family, that um, you get to have a fun holiday season watching the home team play. Nothing better than getting to gather around the TV at uh, holiday time and watch your favorite football team try and get into the playoffs. I think people will also be doing that in the desert, though, and uh, I think those fans are going to be a little happier by Sunday night. Give me the Cardinals minus the two and a half. Schwartz, how say you? Giants only cover at MetLife 41% of the time. Weird, weird stat. No home field advantage. Now, there's not much this year as well. I think actually it's – I think this year the exact number is like 95 and 95 and 1 or something like that for, for home field advantage. It, does, it doesn't happen this year. Um, obviously, Cardinals short week. I, I, look, I told you, the, the Cardinals were my show bet. So my, my win bet – is the Steelers plus two and a half. Okay. So the, no, hey, I don't look, want believers. I don't want believers. The, no one look, outside our locker room believes in us, Schwartz. The look-ahead line for this game was Steelers favored by two and a half. Okay? So it swung five points. Now, it's not through any key numbers, not through three, but swung five points because the Steelers lost a game and the Bills won a game, right? Which is too, it's too much. Too much in, in the situation. Let's talk about the Steelers. And, and this is my thing, and I've been right about this, right? Offensively, just there's n- nothing looks easy, but they've dropped 13 passes the last two weeks. Like if they drop half of those passes, they score four more touchdowns. Maybe. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. There was a play on um, against Washington where it was a screen pass actually. And they threw to Juju and he just dropped like a ball that was in his hands for a first down. It was like third and 15 big Ben scrambled, found Juju. It's like right. In his hands dropped. So, um, and, and Johnson's dropped in a ton. Ebron went back to dropping a bunch of passes again. So, 
I think Pittsburgh rolls into Buffalo. Buffalo's feeling high right now, and that defense just clamps down on Josh Allen. Um, I like I like Buffalo, I like Pittsburgh to, to cover this and, and probably win the game too. Oh, in a while, well, yeah, it'd be uh, tight for them to not win it under that uh, circumstance. Um, and Eddie Spaghetti, your win of the week. <laughs> I mean, a lot of a lot of giant state so far. Those watching this, the NY on the hat right here. This is the easiest bet to make. The giants are get the home dogs in two and a half points. Look, they just went into Seattle, the backup quarterback, and they beat you know Russell Wilson. People who thought that the Seahawks can go too far and it could be their MVP. Well, they have another potential MVP coming to MetLife now. They're going to stop him. You're going to see a ton of Leonard Williams in the backfield. James Bradbury's going to lock down DeAndre Hopkins like he locked down DK Metcalf. Wayne Goldman's going to rush for another hundred plus yards. And by the way, Daniel Jones is back, so don't have to worry about Colt McCoy doing read option anymore with his weak arm. Um, Giants are going to win this game, and they're on a roll right now. And everything around the team feels great. And Trust me, fanduelcom slash minus three. Make this bet. You're going to win. All right. Let's dig in on that and uh, on, on uh, some pro football talk a little bit deeper here. And uh, we'll go around. I do want to talk about the Bills and the Steelers and the Ravens and the and the Browns and the and, and the implications um, as we get closer to the end of the season. Um, but the Philadelphia Eagles making some noise here. Their $100 million guy, Carson Wentz, now bench for Jalen Hurts, like we say. Fine in the short term, except for the fact that these things don't happen in a vacuum. They now do have Carson Wentz. I can't remember a situation this bad for a team this jammed up now with a yeah. with a guy at that level of loot. I, th- it's not a small matter that you presumably are going to have him burning a hole in your bench in 2021 unless something radical changes. Schwartz? Yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of issues here for the Eagles. One is that Wentz's contract doesn't even kick in really till next year. I mean, there's no way they can get rid of him after this season unless they trade him. But again, which team is eating that salary? No one's eating that salary. Well, they I keep hearing about you know, and and, and I didn't uh, go doing. into. They're not eating that salary, Chris. Bob, I know, and I, I right, and I didn't go into this line of work so that I could do math. It was the it's the reason I I went into this is so I could just flap my gums and. Uh, recklessly Correct. speculate, not have to, anybody hold me to like, well, but uh, contract and all that. But I keep hearing about, you know, and there are ways to offset it and have the Eagles pay some of it. But to your point, like who's taking people are like, well, uh, you could get Carson Wentz and uh, oh, OK, but there are a lot of other quarterbacks I could get to that. Even if the Eagles are paying some percentage of the deal, I'd still rather have maybe Jameis Winston. I'm not saying I that's the. I'm just plugging a name in there that probably will be available in the offseason. Like, why would anybody say, yes, let's let's pin our hopes on the guy who hasn't played well in three years? So for the Eagles to fix Carson Wentz, Dave, I really think it might be a coaching change. I'm not really – and I don't really advocate for, for I think a coach like Doug Pearson to get fired. I mean, I obviously advocated for like Anthony Lynn, who just is – just routinely been awful. I mean, you know, up last season, the Eagles in this point, remember last season, everyone's like, oh, they're dead. And then they went a four game win streak and Carson Wentz played great and got in the playoffs. So, but there's something wrong with Carson Wentz and you have to figure out what that Jalen hurts. And I get why they're playing him. They try, they're trying to win the division now, but he cannot be your answer next season. He has to be the answer going forward in 2022. So maybe you're finding out what you have in him. But Wentz will start next season as their starter. It's just the, the finances work out that way. We know that in the NFL, there's many ways to have a starting spot. One is just you beat someone out. But really what happens most often is the guy in front of you is just getting paid more money, and he has to play. And I know people say, well, sunken costs. I, I, I get the sunken cost of it, but that means you, you kind of have to play him, though, right? You want, you want, especially next year, the cap lowers to 175, possibly. 
Do you want like 20% of your cap to be a quarterback not playing? That's ridiculous. Well, yeah, it's just a, a right. It's it's a formula that it's hard to imagine succeeds. Although, here's the pushback I would give. There was a QB who wore number 11 up in uh, the Boston region, and they won the Super Bowl without him taking any snaps of signif- significance back at the turn of the millennium in Drew Bledsoe. And everybody at some point in that January realized, with the exception of Drew Bledsoe, and I've talked to guys in that locker room who agree with this, that the kid, the sophomore kid, Tom Brady, was better, and they rode with him, and they never looked back. So yeah, I guess but, that's the kind you know, but of the... they the Super Bowl this year with Hurts. I know, I'm just saying that... The, that I guess that the devil's advocate of that is that I guess you can put something together I mean, with, did that with that right. money burning a hole. On, they on traded the Alex Smith, but Alex Smith is, is was as much better than Carson Wentz at the same point he was traded. Yeah, touche. All number 11s too, by the way. I don't totally know what right, that yeah. means. I don't know what that means, but it's interesting. Keep your eye on that. Yeah, I don't know what they're gonna, how they're gonna um, get around this one, but it does remind me of uh, one of the cardinal rules that I throw out all the time. The only mistake you can make in our league that is fully saturated with viable quarterback options is overcommitting to the wrong guy. Just oh, yeah. as long as you don't lock up a middle class guy and make that what your team has to deal with for the next two to four years, then there's always a quarterback around the bed. The only problem is overcommitting. And by the way, I also saw you talking about CMC. Another reminder, you do not need to pay, even though it's a cruel and harsh world and reality for these running backs. Do not pay anybody that kind of money if he's a running back. It, it just is not going to pay dividends right. for you. Um, but yes, the Carson Wentz Eagles situation is a mess. And uh, let's do a little bit of college football here um, and break in with a guy who's going to be calling the, uh, my favorite rivalry in college football, the Army and Navy game. Let's talk to a guy who's going to be calling that one, as well as the Buffalo and Pittsburgh game on Sunday night, our old pal Ross Tucker. Under two minutes left, third quarter. Okay, no bust. But we got a rookie running back to Pittsburgh, Willie Parker, the big fellow from North Carolina, 19 carries. He had 102 yards, sets up a field goal by Reed, 1917, Pittsburgh. Yeah, there you heard a, uh, a Week 17 game played up in Buffalo, New York, when the Steelers benched all their starters so that they could rest up for the postseason to play the Buffalo Bills. And Willie Parker introduced himself, if not to the football world, at least to the Buffalo Bills that day. A member of those Buffalo Bills, and more importantly, one of our great pals and an all-time member of the Wall of Fame, it's Ross Tucker. What's the poop, fella? Dave, always good to talk with you. Uh, I don't know why you insist on bringing that game up all the time. That's one of the five worst football games of my life. It is? We, I thought you loved it because of James Harrison. You got to meet another guy who nobody knew about until that week, number 92, uh, Debo, James Harrison. Yeah, except if we won the game, we would have made the playoffs, and we should have won the game, and we had won six in a row, and that would have been awesome to make the playoffs that year, and it would have been awesome for the people of Buffalo, and we were actually beating the starters Paul Amalo and Joey Porter and those guys played the first quarter. We were beating them. And then when the backups came in, Willie Parker, James Harrison, like it turned out some of their backups were pretty freaking good. And I don't know. There's like a weird dynamic playing against backups. I don't know. I mean, it didn't change how I played, but I think maybe it affected some of the other guys and we lost and it stunk. And 
Yeah, one of the worst five games of my career. Thank you. Within, sorry, within 27 seconds now, I have 72 different directions I'd like to take this conversation with you because I'm fascinated by the idea of like when other teams have a lot of injuries, how does that, and you know, guys out for COVID this year or otherwise, like how that impacts the mentality of the team that then becomes heavily favored. Is it kind of like, do you take on the mindset, no matter what the coach says, no matter what you tell yourself, you can't help but let up just a little bit. Like, ah, like if you think about the Steelers a week and a half or whatever it was against the Ravens, everybody wringing their hands. How could they put out such a, an awful effort? How did they almost get beaten? I feel like it's kind of human nature. It's like there's no chance we can lose this game. Ergo, you almost lose this game, right? Well, there's a couple things. Um, first of all, it's subconscious, right? Like it's not conscious, but it's subconscious. One uh, thing that people Ivy, don't realize is Ivy League. Ever. you're going no, against. I went, to, I went to a state school. I'm sorry, Ross. You think subconscious is an Ivy League thing? I don't know what it is. Just please tell subconscious us. Subconscious isn't an Ivy League thing. Tell us what you got to tell us, friend. All right. So, number one, you don't you don't really have a, a very good scouting report on the guys because you haven't seen them play. Fair. You know, so it's like you don't really know that much about the guy you're trying to block or play against, number one. Number two, you know, he gets out there and – subconsciously, you know, he's not the starter. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you know, that. and then the last thing is those guys usually are trying to ball out to make a name for themselves, right? Like, I think I blocked a lot in that game, Travis Kershke. I think like in the second half, it was all, and he was playing his ass off. Like he was flying around, hustling. Like, I don't know, sometimes maybe it's better to go against a guy that, is a stud and you know, you know, you know, he's, he's picking his spots in the game a little bit, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, and also Dick LeBeau brought all kinds of blitzes that game because they played like they had nothing to lose. So like, they're like blitzing corners off the edge. Like I, I think when you, you play your backup, so you have that dynamic, it, there, there's a bunch of different parts of it. The scouting report that those guys are playing their butt off the unconscious thing, and I think coaches call the game a little bit differently. They almost go like a little bit YOLO, you know, like, hey, what, what, everybody's going to lose. What do we have to lose? Let's call this. Let's do this. That's fascinating. Um, and by the way, as you listen to Ross, you can tell he's in a car. That's because I'm a terrible host. Uh, well, that, that's not why he's in a car. I'm a terrible host. He's on his way up to the Army-Navy game on Saturday, as I say, my favorite rivalry, because it's the only rivalry that I can think of, at least, where it is actually true, not the rhetoric that goes into a game. When they talk about Michigan-Ohio State, they say, hey, doesn't matter if you don't win another game as long as you win that game. Well, that's not true. If you're if you're 0-11 going into the Michigan-Ohio State game, the fan base is going to be PO'd, and it doesn't matter if you win that game. Army-Navy, if that's the one game you win, that does carry you for a, a whole year. So look for that on CBS, and then – um, and then Tucker going on to the Sunday night game with Buffalo and Pittsburgh. And Tucker, again, because uh, as I already mentioned, I'm a bad host. 
give give the whole thing. The give give the laundry list of shows you do. Ross Tucker is everywhere, and we're better for it. Yeah. So all you got to worry about is the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. If you like fantasy, fantasy feast. If you like betting, and if you're listening to this, you do. Even money podcast, and then I've got the college draft podcast as well. If you like college football, two things I want to mention. Number one, Army Navy is the greatest rivalry in sports. I mean, it just is. This will be my fifth time in a row as I'm part of it. You agree with that? Because I people always oh, you don't really think that, Dave? Yeah, no, I actually do because I think the stakes are that game by themselves. There's nothing else about it. You're not playing for the Rose Bowl or anything else. You're just playing to beat the other one. It means everything to the guys on the field. Well, not only that, okay, if you think about like Auburn, Alabama, or Michigan, Ohio State, those are very regional. You know what I mean? Like those are very regionally focused. Army Navy isn't just national. Like it's international, right? Like there are people all over the globe that care quite a bit about. The other thing is, let's be honest, the guys at Michigan, Ohio State, their dream is to go to the league and play in the Super Bowl. Okay, like, like, like you know, the Michigan, Ohio State game is a big deal for them, no question. But a lot, those guys already have agents. They know which agent they're going to pick. Like, they're getting ready to go to the league. They want to play in the Super Bowl. For the Army-Navy guys, this is their Super Bowl. Like, they're not getting ready for the combine after this. They're getting ready for combat, not the combine, combat. Big difference, okay? And, and one last thing, too. These guys, think about this, okay? When these guys are 17 or 18 years old, they sign up for the next nine years. So the prime partying years of your life, 18 to 27, they sign up and say, I'm going to live a different life. And these guys aren't like, you know, they like to have a good time, but they are willing to sacrifice because they almost feel like a calling. It's something that they feel like they want to do. And so I just have the utmost respect for any 18-year-old that can sign up to have a heck of a lot less fun than all of his buddies are going to have for the next nine years. Boy, that's uh, that's well said, and uh, a um, a more tepid sort of support of that is by comparing those people to myself. That's how I do it as a vain person, and it's the same thing as having a baby. Like if I were responsible for carrying another life within me for ten months at the expense of booze and otherwise, I might go for it one time, and that would be it. There would I would there would be no way I would have that. Better my life depends on better people. Our nation depends depends on better people than I defending it and reproducing and repopulating it. Um, let's talk, you talk about a bad time and you are really there in the, uh, the capital of the Keystone state. They are really the epicenter for a lot of news Steelers fans on the left side of the state wringing their hands right now in front of Buffalo in Philadelphia though. What do you think about this, about what I said? And to be, you know, Eagles fans, you know, I've not surprisingly pushed back at me for saying this, but I feel like Philadelphia as a sports town is too tough for its own good. And specifically how it has impacted Carson Wentz. You talk about kids at 17, 18. Carson Wentz went to North Dakota State. Jalen Hurts went to Alabama. He's used to the ringer of media and attention and everything else. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's served Carson Wentz well 
that the Philadelphia media and the fans are like, we're so tough. We boo you if we if you aren't good for us. And we can and we we uh, and our local media will denounce you. Like, I don't think it's good necessarily for everybody I, I, in that spot. I don't think it's helpful. If that if that's what you're asking, I, I don't that's think it's helpful. Don't you think Carson um, and, and I do Wentz think it, well it, I don't think it's helpful. And I do think there are certain guys that thrive in it. Because I'll say this too, like if you're someone that they love, like Brian Dawkins, I cannot imagine there being a better place. Like they're they're just so they're either all in or they're all out. There's not really an in-between. And they're so diehard. Like, if, if they love you, then there's no better city. If they don't, I, I think it's really, really, really tough. At some point, there, you know, as I always say, zealots ruin everything. And I love a great sports town, obviously. I will always root if I have no natural rooting interest in a ball game and a playoff game or otherwise. I always look at the fan bases and say, which te- which fans are more into seeing their team win? And I'll go with that. The Eagles fans, therefore, are always the team I'm going to ride with um, almost anybody over anybody else. Not the Flyers, because I hate the Flyers. But I generally will say, ah, listen, their fans have been desperate to see this. For, let, them, let them have their celebration and everything. But I do think it's detrimental to some percentage. I mean, they booed Mike Schmidt. That's not good. That, that, that has no value. That didn't help Mike Schmidt's career to be in Philadelphia. I think the Carson Wentz thing, and people push back with exactly what you say. Yeah, but some guys love it. Kelsey loves it there. Yeah, I'm saying not everybody does. That's not good to to destroy a potential franchise QB. And now they're really jammed up. But let's not devote too much time to that team. Let's talk about the game you're going to be talking about on Sunday night. How do you see this one playing out? Um, Everything that goes into it, Josh Allen making a late kind of MVP push here. The meantime, the Steelers are really struggling to move the ball with their Hall of Fame QB, who's already been compared to Josh Allen. How say you about what we're going to see on Sunday night? You know, what's interesting is I know you and I were texting about it. First of all, I don't think we've ever seen anything like Carson Wentz in terms of a guy that played that well and is now playing that poorly. I also don't think we've ever seen check a guy like Josh Allen. I mean, he is up 10% completion percentage from last year and almost 20% from his rookie year. Like, I've never heard of that. I've never heard of a guy improving their completion percentage that much. It is absolutely crazy to me. And, I, like, I don't know how you predict that. Like, I, I don't know how anybody – I never thought he would be able to do this. It's absolutely fascinating to me that he is playing this one. And it's not like they are a dink-and-dunk offense that pads – his stats, they're not at all. Like, he throws it downfield a lot, which makes it even more impressive what he's been able to do. I mean, look, and I think you tweeted this, but there's a lot of guys that have been compared to Big Ben over the years. Josh Allen, actually, uh, he's got a lot of similarities to Big Ben. Uh, he's, inc- I mean, I don't know that there's a guy with a higher ceiling than him, just in terms of what he could be. If he eliminates some of the occasional brain farts or whatever that he still has sometimes, it's just the sky is the limit. I do think, though, and I think we disagree, 
you think the Bills should be favored in this game, right? I'm surprised that the number is so low after Monday night. I mean, the Bills open. You know, Schwartz's point is fine and it makes all the sense in the world. On on Monday morning, the Steelers were actually giving two and a half. Then, based on the results of the two games on Monday, it swung pretty pretty uh, wildly, and now it's uh, the Bills giving two and a half. I, I still am surprised based on what we've seen in the last couple of weeks from the two teams. Yeah, I kind of like the Steelers, to be honest with you. Um, Good, I, everybody I, but me. I left fine by me. Yeah, you know, I guess I just feel like. I do think, speaking of some conscious stuff, I do think that they needed to get that loss out of the way almost. Um, that I feel like talking with guys from other teams, it feels like that wears on you at some point. And then not only that, they get Pouncey back. They get Connor back. I think that's significant. I don't think that Josh Allen can possibly play that well again like he did against the Niners. So you combine all those things, I kind of I kind of like Pittsburgh to win the game. Now we'll see what happens. I don't think watching these teams in recent year in recent weeks you could say you think Pittsburgh's going to win the game, but I'm just basing it on, you know, everything I just said. I, I just think Pittsburgh almost needed that that cleanse if you will. Get rid of that loss, get rid of the weirdness of their schedule and everything. Get Pouncey and Connor back. And I feel like they're going to rise to the occasion. The the one concern is just they're starting to lose too many guys on defense, man. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels like it's having a major impact. I mean, Bush, Dupree, you know, who would have thought Spillane would make that much of a difference? They were like a different defense without Spillane. So I, I just think they're taking on a little bit too much water on the defensive side of the ball. I agree, and that's why it's got to be about the premise going forward. It's about, fortunately, they have a first ballot Hall of Famer at QB who, in my, to my eyes, is slinging it, and it's his receivers letting him down no matter how much he tries to wear it for those receivers. I don't think he's been off target. I think he's not been the issue. Maybe what he's decided to do in terms of play calling. Uh, I will say about Josh Allen, I feel I feel validated because it the QB, this college kid is really talented but he's inaccurate with the ball has become what I always used to say a decade ago about a 19 year old kid in the NBA draft like I don't know you know this kid's got all the talent in the world but he does you know he's uh he doesn't have much game from the perimeter he's not much of a shooter and everything else like yeah he's a high-end athlete he'll figure that out he'll get in the gym and figure that out the two examples that I always use are Roethlisberger and Cam Newton for Josh Allen. Those two guys did get more accurate within a few years of their NFL careers. They're gunslinger guys. They're not ever going to be surgical like Brady, Breeze, Peyton. But Josh Allen has improved as he should. He's a high-end athlete. He's not going to be able to become more accurate. He's a gunslinger. He's always going to throw some bad interceptions. But so do John Elway and Brett Favre and Ben Roethlisberger. And for my money, they're more fun to watch over the course of their careers, win or lose, than than the other guys who I just mentioned. So I think I feel validated about Josh Allen. To answer your question, who saw it coming? Kind of me, if I'm patting myself on the back, which I now am. Um, but awesome stuff, Ross Tucker, is always so fun to talk to you. And I always feel like as soon as we wrap up, uh, we needed another 48 minutes to do it. Um, we, we always do, man. Anytime, everybody, 
Check me out on social, please, at Ross Tucker NFL, and check out the podcast, because if you listen to Sheck, you'll like mine, too. I love talking with you, dude, and uh, check out Army, Navy, and, and Bill Steelers. I got quite the weekend coming up. I, I mean, you really are. I tell everybody, please, don't just survive. Live. Ross Tucker is living, and not just because he puts out those delicious food pictures. He gets free food everywhere he goes as part of getting to watch. Not only does he get paid to watch football, then they also give him food. It's a crazy lifestyle you have. Hey, you don't know. You don't. People don't know this, Sheck, but it's not about living. It's not about surviving. Okay, it's about thriving, and I am thriving right now, buddy. All right. In my subconscious or conscious, I'm, I'm jealous of you. I don't know which one. But, yes, do, in fact, check out Ross Tucker on Saturday and Sunday. And going forward, his, uh, his uh, panoply of podcasts will please your ears and your heart. Ross Tucker, have a great weekend, pal. And uh, I hope we'll talk to you beforehand. But if not, have a happy holidays. And, uh, and uh, I, I apologize for bringing up Fast Willie Parker. I shan't do it again in the next, <laughs> in the next couple No worries. Days. See you, buddy. All right, be well. There he goes. The great Ross Tucker, everybody. All right, speaking of rivalry, Schwartz, um, I know you're bummed out about um, about uh, the Oregon and Washington game. Anything you need to say about that? Get off your chest. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just it, it's just a stupid season for the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, too, right? The Big Ten changed. Which the I, whole the Big Ten, thing. It way, really the, is. By the way, the Big Ten, though, should do that. Like, I'm actually for a conference – pumping up their best team. Now the question is, would they have done the same thing for Indiana? Like, I don't, I don't I, No, And what does that mean? And I see big cat doing the same thing. He's a Wisconsin fan and he's saying, well, I'm doing this for, I'm rooting in this direction in favor of my conference. Cause the money is what matters there. Listen, there's a big business aside. It's crummy uh, in a, um, if you're a, a person of justice, I don't, I don't like this. To go further down this rabbit hole of of nonsense, like yeah, but we know who the better team is, kind of logic. What are we doing then? What are we playing any games for? But that's what college football is, though. It's it's a a committee just choosing the the four best teams essentially. So for those who don't know, Oregon and Washington are supposed to play this weekend, and we're bitter rivals. Like this is this is a bigger rivalry to you than the Civil War. Oh, but excuse me, the the game formerly known as the Civil War, right? it uh yes by far we despise washington they hate us like it's is it's ohio state michigan but out west obviously right we despise each other um and we were playing for the pac-12 north championship the winner of that game would win the pac-12 north then probably play usc in uh in the pac-12 championship game and washington uh probably is of recording this it's thursday afternoon i think there's nearly no chance they play that game on saturday and Washington default wins the Pac-12 North because uh, there'll be four, it'll be three and one. Oregon will be three and two, and that's just a better winning percentage, even though they they didn't play each other. Um, and just like it's a stupid, like, I'm not even upset about it, Dave. Just like it's just so stupid. What the Pac-12 should do, by the way, is what they should do. Our bowls, we our bowl system is we lost like five bowl games because none of the bowls out west are playing, so we're not even being a bowl game. Here's what we do, guys. We take USC and Colorado, who let's assume they both win this weekend. They'll both be undefeated. And they missed each other. Colorado missed USC because USC had to sit out. And you move, you move USC, Colorado, you, you make them play next weekend. You make Oregon, Washington play next weekend. And the winner of those two games play in a Pac-12 championship game a week afterwards. There's no, like, the stadium is not booked. There's no fans. You can just play anywhere. It doesn't matter what stadium you play the, the, the Pac-12 championship game in. I think we do it that way. Just make, we're, we're making up new rules the whole season, Dave. Just make something up. 
I know. I hear you. But I also um, I'm old school and I really do like rivalries a lot. I think rivalries mean a great deal. And in this wonky year, maybe more than ever, throwing rivalry games out the window in favor of what matters over the next three weeks. I don't know how I feel. Well, about I'm asking. That. To, I'm asking to put it back on next weekend. Put Washington Oregon back on next weekend. Oh, okay. Because I'm happy to see Army and Navy hooking up. I'm happy to see. I mean, I Ohio State Michigan for all the jokes about it. It's a bummer that that game's not going to be played for the first time in a hundred years. Um, USC UCLA. A pat on the back to one Dave Damashek, who back in 2007, I think it was. I got Rick Neuheisel and Pete Carroll on the phone for a conference call on the radio in Los Angeles and got them to agree in that moment to both wearing their home jerseys again for the victory bell game. It it ranks among my two or three greatest deeds of my lifetime. It is is by far, I think, the best home and home jersey matchup in college football. Well, there are very few teams that even do, and I don't like other teams trying to get Oregon, in on it. Oregon, Oregon State doesn't. It's terrible. That's like I think, orange and yellow. I'm trying to think of my greatest achievements. That, that getting the two USC-UCLA teams to both wear their home jerseys at the same time, um, and then um, having my children, and then getting Wade Phillips to uh, wear his father's uh, 10-gallon hat at the Super Bowl. Those are my three greatest achievements of my life. And, and Mitchell Schwartz denying you. No, that was a failure. That was a failure. <laughs> but I blame Mitchell Schwartz for that and the Schwartz um, family in general. For look, that. Uh, the, the UCLA, and like this game is in front of no offense. It's in UCLA, that beautiful UCLA script at midfield, both home jerseys. I grew up a big Bruin fan, so. Oh, uh, boy, I got to take my old man and my little boy a couple of years ago to the Rose Bowl to watch this game. And it was a glorious day, a, a, a perfect um, late autumn um, Southern California day. It was like low sixties. Oh, it just was. Yeah. The mountains in the background and everything. Oh, it was, it was heaven. And it's been upgraded big time from when I was used to go as a kid. It was uh, the, the, I'll never it is forget. a great tail. It's a great tailgate experience too. If you're ever out in Southern California and have the chance to go to a yeah. UCLA game, no matter how good or bad the team is, it's a, it's a delightful day of tailgating. I, I, um, I had an experience that I think every um, man, young man, young boy, our age, Dave, and I'm a little younger than you, but like kind of our age group, they went to old stadiums, is uh, going to the bathroom in a trough for the first time and how just traumatizing yeah. that is as a young child to have to go as like an eight-year-old and stand in a in the trough bathroom and just a bunch, just no, there's no walls, you're just your shoulder to shoulder. And you're eight years old, just trying to take a pee in the trough, and there's just adult men everywhere. It's a little. Ah, I hear you, but the you know the esprit de corps. I call it a, a pee de corps when you have to pee in a trough with a bunch of strangers there. It's a lot of fun. My experience. The difference is um, from Southern California to growing up in a place like Pittsburgh is that when you're at a playoff game or late December and it's freezing outside. And then you go into the turlet at halftime to make your water to relieve yourself so you can focus in on the second half of football. And you stand in line with all these strangers. Everybody's all padded up with 17 layers. So to get to to get to your wiener buried deep down in there is is, is difficult. And then the room's all steamy. It's like a blend of, of, of human exhaust. 
uh, yeah, and, and urine and otherwise fecal matter flying around the room. And it's a it's a brew that somehow you don't want to walk out of because at least you're warm in there. That's the, that's the big difference. That's the, I, don't, I definitely don't remember that as a kid going to the games of the Rose Bowl. Um, I do remember the Rose Bowl, the tailgating area, the bathrooms had no doors. And so if you took a number two, you just, there was just no door. You had to well, just, I like, mean, you don't want to, you don't want to have to do that. That's, just, that's like, an that's, emergency. That's, that's, that's an my, emergency. That's my experience at the Rose Bowl. Just taking a, you did that. You, you wait. Yeah. Really? You went, you went right past one into number two at, at, at the Rose Bowl. No, no, not, not, not in the stadium. It was in the tail, one of the tailgate areas. They had like a park bathroom uh, just a, and it just had no doors on the stalls. Porta potties are disgusting, oh, and if you ever, but like by definition, when you go in them, they're grotesque, and you think like, who would go in there to use it for number two? And then you realize only you, you wouldn't go in there like, yeah, I think I had one too many browers, like kind of thing. Like, yeah, I'll be a little more kind. Nobody goes into a porta potty in that situation. It's like oh, a porta emergency. Just, oh so my god, I, I'm, I'm in a cold them. sweat, and if I don't go into this porta potty. I'm, I'm not going to be able to hang out with my friends ever again because I'm going to be the guy who uh, who, who made a mess and stunk up the joint for yeah. you know like you so- have to. That's the only time you're allowed to go in there. But also, I remember as a kid too. I'm like traumatized because I was at camp and then someone put a stick in in the lock area, so I couldn't get out of the of the porta potty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I'm talking about like they just like put a stick like in the. In, yeah, in, I know so, what you mean. Yeah, that was the so, day Jeff Schwartz started to lift weights. So I'll show I, you. So now, whenever I go to the bathroom in a porta potty, I actually just even now as an adult, if I go number one, typically I might go number two in there. As I keep my foot in the in the door jam to keep it open a little bit, so no one can get me. Still, I'm 34 <laughs> years old. Really traumatized, especially, especially around. Well, it's mostly if like if I'm out with my friends somewhere, like like ever, ever at a ball game or something. I just don't trust my friends, so I just I just put my foot there a little bit. Oh, we could tell these scatological stories all day long. I remember once uh, Maurice Jones-Drew was shooting a bit up in a a, a balloon, or, you know, like a Goodyear blimp, yeah, the, a blimp yeah, thing. Yeah, that's on the 405. With Ike Taylor, and they were uh, they were up there, and all of a sudden uh, Maurice had one of those emergent situations. It's, called a, and, it's, called, it's actually called scientifically called a poop attack. A poop attack, and, yeah. uh, and there was nowhere to go, and... <laughs> Ike Taylor is not somebody you want to be stuck on a blimp with if that's your situation because Ike was making him laugh and poking him in the belly and everything. Oh, God. And, and he barely made it. And he ran as soon as the thing landed, he ran to the porta potty. But as he ran to the porta potty, he inexplicably completely undressed himself. Like, I mean, like, like that's. He's George Costanza, like, had to disrobe to go in there. Anyway. I think we've uh, we've lost. Oh, our I I have I love that I Dave I have multiple poop attack stories. Maybe we can spend oh, a different time doing it. Listen, um, let's not. Let, this is called a tease. What? We'll, we'll, it's. Uh, I had I ruined a, a bowling night when I was twelve. No, no, no. So. Well, I, let, we'll have future episodes of this. I have <laughs> I have at least one or three uh, in the holster myself. So we'll we, get to those. I'll end with this though. We we were talking about this the subject, of course, is offensive linemen. And one time that's what we were talking about. Yes. With the Panthers. And thank you. um, One of our trainers, uh, like a, 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 not a youth trainer, like a student trainer said, he's never had a poop attack before. He was like a grown adult. We're like, Hmm. it's a safe place. here. don't lie to us. Like, come on. I don't, I don't respect people who have such breezy lives that their, that their bowels are made of iron like that. I resent them. I mean, I I almost had one before I came on the show today. Like if you don't have one once a week, what do you do with yourself? Mm -hmm. You're not not eating right. Yeah. Right. 
Right. You're, you're, you're surviving. You're not living. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and Eddie's over there giggling because I know he's at, he's been the gym like pumping iron and he's been like that creatine just flowing through his Oh, belly. no. Uh, no. Spaghetti has sloppy bowels. Spaghetti here. has very sloppy bowels. Yeah, that's that's definitely. Uh, you're, you're right. You're not wrong. There. I, I mean, you, 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 you got me. You got me. That's incredible. I just I just made it up one and two. I just I just took a random guess at it. Spaghetti, spaghetti. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm miserable because not only is that true, I also can't. I can't. I couldn't pee in a trough. I can't pee at urinals. I have stage fright. I need a stall. I'm the worst person to go to any oh kind of thing with. Sloppy bowels, unbelievable, Dave. I'm using that from now on. That's, That's unbelievable. the name of my new band. That's my new punk band, Sloppy Bowels. <laughs> hey, um, so what's your opinion on this, Schwartz? I always say, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I, I don't need to tell the whole uh, story again. I just, uh, bottom line, people don't know what they're talking about. Of all the big, of the four major sports, about people weighing yeah. in on stuff, I think, I think up there is, Hockey skating. I think people think they know who's a great skater out there. You know what? I know Spaghetti feels this. A lot of people weigh in on like, oh, that defenseman, he's a great skater. You don't know what you're talking about. But the big, the, the, the number one thing that people have no idea what they're talking about is who's a good offensive lineman. People <laughs> yes. love to shoot their mouth off about like, oh, well, uh, he's not having a good – you don't know. You're just listening to other people. So let's listen to you. You're one of the three or four human beings I talk to about this stuff. What's your assessment of why the Steelers can't run the football? <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that's just philosophy of offense at times too, right? Like they're doing a lot of these runs from shotgun and it's, it's just tougher to get things going out of shotgun when you're, you know, it used to be they would line up under center, right? They had their big old offensive alignment. They would just, they just kind of form a wall together and just move people off the wall of the field. And that was their identity, right? I heard you talking extra on um, extra points about this. Like, that, you know, that's no longer their identity. Everyone says, well, just run the football. You're like, that's not what they do anymore. And you're right. You're right. And I think that part of run blocking is a mentality that that's part of your offense. For example, like the Chiefs. The Chiefs don't run the ball terribly well. It's like, it's not what they do, right? They pass the ball. That's what they do now. And so I think it's hard as an offensive lineman. And I've been in this situation with the Giants, actually, with in Ben McAdoo's offense with, with Tom Coughlin. We were like a shotgun offense. And we had like three run plays. And they're like, hey, third and one. And it's like, well, we're in shotgun. Like by the time we get our blocks and there's a free guy off the edge and they're, you, you, you have to have more options on third down. My brother and I got into this. He's like, he saw my, my Twitter about how I always complain about like a dive on third. He's like, what do you want teams to do? I go, something else. Like there's plenty of other runs you could do. You don't have to just run in the That's middle right. of the, That's of the line exactly of right, man. And, and what's, you know, what's interesting though is that I believe it was last game, right? They tried to end around and Washington stuffed it. Was that what was that in that game? Or who was playing that game? It was um, someone tried to end around and got stuffed. It was what, what, maybe it's not the Steelers. Maybe it was the game. No, the I think you're thinking the other way around. Actually, Logan Thomas, they tried it on fourth yes, okay. down. Like right. I like that though. Like you're right. It was the other way around. Yes. Like I, good. Washington got beat. So th- but at least they didn't run the ball in the middle of the line of scrimmage. Like they just tried something new. So I think it's a whole variety of these reasons why. Uh, they're good at pass protection, at least not last weekend was rough. They, the Washington pretty much dominated them. Um, but, you know, I think when you look at the fourth down situation, the third and fourth down in that back-to-back sequence in the game. So third and one, they run an RPO. I don't know why Ben is running RPOs. We've talked about this all season. He's terrible at them. Why? Well, I thought, they, I thought they had flushed that down the uh, proverbial <laughs> toilet, as a so matter of fact. I really did because Seven doesn't like it, which is fine with me. And by the way, quickly, a couple of things. One – 
This idea that the Steelers, I, I mean, it, it's its permeated. It's not just in Pittsburgh. It's national. This nonsense in like 2020 or any other, you're like, but the Pittsburgh Steelers are a physical. Like, they're, they're, they have nothing to do with 1978, these guys. They're like, no, no, what's going to win? But, you were, but even like five years ago, you were, with Le'Veon Bell, you were dominating the offensive line. That's fine, football. but that's not how they're comprised right now. But that doesn't mean that they have to, that, that you need, to your point, these power runs. It's not just literally, but figuratively, the up-the-middle nature of this offense ain't getting it done now. They need... They need some of the they need some of the exotic nonsense. They need some of the the pre-snap nonsense, the sweep action and all that. Why are they not doing that is what is what's making me crazy. Not that that they need to flip a switch and start grinding you. I mean, but they 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 do need to get the defense on their heels a little bit. It's very predictable the way they're lining up to your point. And I wish seven was more comfortable going under center at this point because I I to is, me it's talking about an old curmudgeon. Is it not or the offense isn't? What? What's that? I'm like, like, does Big Ben not want to go under center, or is it the offense? As far as I can, as far as I can divine from the conversations I have with people about it, I think he doesn't love doing it, and he really is. uh, You know, he's steering the direction of that offense. Makes sense more than Randy Fickner is with with what he's comfortable with, and I agree about the RPO. I know we agree about that, but it's. I mean, the 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 thing that I'll, I'll always be a curmudgeon about when you're in short yardage, the idea that you take away the threat of uh, of a running back and going empty in shotgun. It's like, what the hell is that a team doing? Doesn't that put more pressure? You know better than I. Doesn't that put pressure on the defense to to uh, go under center with a running back behind you at least to um, run play action? It always works in short yards. Well, so there's a couple of things to consider here. One is that you don't want to be predictable, right? So like getting, you know, getting under center with, with a running back and doing play action pass, if you do it, multiple times that people figured out the thing about shotgun empty. This is contrary to what people actually think about pass protection. It's actually a really good tool to use against a good defensive line. Cause there's a couple of things. One is when you spread everyone out, it's easy for the quarterback to tell where the defense is vulnerable, right? So everyone's spread out and you saw on that, on you know, the throw that the, it was a bad throw by Ben to, to the, the running back. It's a man coverage, right? It's, it's a running back that walked the linebacker out late man coverage. So he knows, okay, man coverage. Obviously he threw the running back because the linebacker was late, but okay. Juju's on this guy. I know exactly what my picture is. Oh, it's really good for quarterbacks. Oh, it's, it's a pressure. There's six guys in the line of scrimmage. Well, all right. Well, it's man coverage again. But secondly, is when you when you're in empty, the thought is the ball's out quickly, right? So it actually helps your offensive line because the ball's out quick. You, know, you can't get you can't get beaten, but you can get beaten and the ball's going to be gone. So I actually don't mind empty. It's what Tom Brady, by the way, did for years against the Broncos pass rush, the Ravens. Like they spread everyone the out. Steelers pass rush. Yeah, that Steelers was right. the Steelers were predicated on. Uh, on their blitzing and Brady would pick them apart. Yeah. So like, right. so that's the idea that was okay. The execution, obviously, I think back-to-back plays, you have an RPO that was blanketed and look, a run pass option with a quarterback that's not running the ball. I mean, that's it takes right. away one of the three things you can do there. Right. And, and how good is that play going to be? If you, the defense knows big Ben's never keeping the ball, right? What's that, great is I'll tell you what I feel really validated about is what you're saying. And then even Roethlisberger said it the other day, um, was 
yeah, we run the RPO, but I never hand it off. So it's really like, like, yeah, right. That's the problem with the, with with seven running. One of the couple of problems with seven running RPO. Where's any deception when you know that ninety percent of the time he's not going to leave it with the running back. He's going to pull it back and he's going to throw it. So it, it just in in a year where you have, uh, I mean, in an era when you have. Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid and everything else. There's, it, it's just very straightforward what they're trying to do on offense. And I don't think the Steelers' season is over. I think no, they could not. beat the Chiefs. I think they could beat anybody in the AFC on the right day. But um, you know, the it, the premise has flipped now. The defense is not going to carry the day. It's not going to save you in in most games at this point. But they do have a first ballot Hall of Famer at QB. And as far as I as far as I can see, you tell me if I'm wrong, Schwartz. I think he's slinging it the last couple of weeks. I think he's been let down by his pass catcher catchers. I don't think it's I don't think it's yeah. seven the player. Maybe some of the decision making in in um, what he wants to do, how he wants to go into a drive, is an issue. But by the way, just one last thing, and not to belabor the the Steelers against Washington, but uh, too late. But um, that fourth and one pass to people, oh, it's a rookie receiver, a rookie uh, running back. Why are you throwing it to him? And they have four good wide receivers to throw. Yeah, who were dropping the ball all day. Everybody keeps pointing that out, who kept dropping it. One, and two, it was John Bostick, who's as fast as I am, lined up on Anthony McFarlane. You ha- to your point, you spread out 26. You see him with, uh, with an old man running at him, trying to cover him late. Of course you have to throw the ball in that direction. And I don't even think it was a bad ball by – Seven so much as it was. Um, well, the thing is, like, is McFarland jitterbugging too much. I mean, too. part of, but that's the kind of the issue, right? Is that you threw it to a guy that really is not going to make any sort of valiant effort on the ball, right? Because that's not what he does. He doesn't line up in empty yeah, I get it. Catch, yeah, right. Shoulder fades. Like that's something that it obviously, um, you know, you you work out. Um, look, I, I've said this all along, and I think I'm I'm right on this. Is that. I still, it still looks very hard for the Steelers' offense. A part of that is the drops. It's a great take. It's a great simple phrasing of what part of it is, what is the drops. Right. And yes, when when Ben is able to hit his back foot with the protection and throw the ball, his arm is fine. Like there's no his arm strength is fine. But I still think that again, there's when I watch this offense, there's still like not a lot of middle of the field guys catching the ball 10, 15 yard runs afterwards. Right? It's a lot of to the sidelines, and some of those are big plays to the sidelines. But I, I just, it's, have we seen many times this year when like Ben and part of us, there's no play action pass game, right? Because they're not really running the That's football. Right. There's nothing like, there's nothing like in the middle of the field where Ben can just put his foot, hit a guy for seven yards and, and he gets 15 afterwards. Like they, they don't, that, and that's what I mean about like their offense. I've said all along, their offense is the reason why I like the Steelers, uh, the, the Chiefs to beat them is I just, offensively keeping up is really hard. And, um, you know, we'll see what they do this weekend. The Bills' defense is not very good. I wonder if they're going to change. But look, it's week 14. We're not going to see a lot of changing in, in schemes right now. No, I, I, I. that's what my point is. There's not – bottom line is I don't think – if anybody's anticipating some new-look Steelers, I don't know what you've been watching, especially – I mean, just as, a, as an organization, philosophically, they do not suddenly flip switches like that and make overhauls during a season, certainly not in December, not when they're 11-1. and one. You know – Mike Tomlin is mentally the sort of guy who's going to be like, Hey, we're 11 and one. We're going to keep on, you know, you know, only we can beat ourselves and all that kind of stuff. I don't think that they're going to try to revise what they're doing. I do think that this matchup is an interesting place to try and get right 
with James Conner and Marquise Pouncey both coming back to try and run the ball more. Mm-hmm. I, they might have some success that way. And then on the other side of that, um, they will, uh, they'll have to, with the, with the Colts, they'll have to get back to trying to sling it around a little bit. Um, I do want to say this for both sides of the game. I keep talking about the last three weeks. Now the biggest regular season game left on the ledger for playoff seedings is the chiefs at the saints. If you're a Steelers fan, within the sound of my voice, the big game that you really want if you um, think that the Steelers have a shot at getting the number one seed. The bigger game, really, unless you think the Steelers are going to run the table uh, the rest of the way here, is this weekend, Chiefs at Dolphins, because you need an AFC loss for the Chiefs. The Steelers could take one more loss if the Chiefs lose to an AFC foe, and the only one they're reasonably going to lose to is the Dolphins this yeah. weekend. So uh, tell us uh, what you think is going to happen there, Schwartz. Yeah, um, uh, so many thoughts um, on this game because Miami's defense, we just their recipe for success is what Pat Mahomes just eats alive, which is man coverage and especially zero pressure. Pat Mahomes the best NFL, seven touchdowns this year against zero pressure with the Dolphins doing more than anyone else. Um, so the question becomes – does Brian Flores change what he does on defense? And we see a lot of coaches for many reasons, just do what they always do for one. It's ego, right? I'm going to, I'm going to, my scheme works. I'm going to get home and I'm going to, the Ravens, it's the Ravens problem against the chiefs, right? They just keep pressuring Mahomes and he just makes it pay. But secondly, is that sometimes you don't have the guys on defense. They can run a different things, right? Like you, the dolphins are a man coverage team. They might not be good in zone coverage. Like it just might be tough for them to do. So I'm really curious how the Dolphins play this. I think the Dolphins have an advantage with their defensive line this week against the Chiefs' offensive line. Um, I really lean under in this game, under the 49 and a half. Huh. At least that's the last I saw. So there's more reasons for that. Two is the Chiefs have been really bad in the red zone lately. And you know th- that's going to flip. They're not going to go one for eight in the red zone uh, as they've been the last two weeks. But still, their offense is just, you know, they've dropped a pass. They've had a bad throw. They've had a penalty. And... They just, they're not scoring as many points. Even last weekend, look, Tyreek Hill caught a touchdown pass that no one thought he caught, right? And I don't blame anyone for not challenging that play. I don't even blame the referees. Nobody thought he caught the ball. Nobody thought he caught the ball. And then they had um, McCole Hardman open down the field. Pat didn't throw to him. Tyreek Hill was open, just missed connection. Another touchdown call back for a holding. It's been this way all year, guys. It's not just last game. Uh, let me say this, first of all, yeah. by the way, because I do feel, it's uh, you misread me completely, Schwartz, the Steelers hater. My point is, that the, the same things that you say about the Chiefs are things I say about the Steelers, and you just said too. They've missed a couple of uh, a couple of drops. W- the conversation could be very different right now if the Steelers' pass catchers caught passes the last two weeks. They sure. should have they should have whipped the Ravens by you know a couple of touchdowns at least in that one if they had caught passes. And the same is true against Washington. They still could be undefeated, and we could be like, man, right. the Chiefs are really having troubles. They almost lost to Denver. The other day, that's true there. But the other thing about the uh, uh, about the Chiefs is, I'm sure this is going to be a storyline during the game with the broadcasters, and I'm sure it is in advance. Is Brian Flores um, yeah. shut down Patrick Mahomes for 30 minutes? I know different pieces and all that, but what was that 20 months or so ago when uh, the Patriots went into Arrowhead and at yeah. least for that first 30 minutes of the title game, completely silenced yeah. Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. What is there something that he probably applies there to this game? Uh, I mean, yes, I think that he could do that. But the reason why I like this game to go under 
And again, like Flores can't, he can do all that. I, I just don't know if he will. Like, I, you know, they, that's, and what the Patriots, even this year, the Patriots play well against the Chiefs um, in that game where Cam didn't play, but just mixing up the defenses. Every play was something different. And so can Brian Flores do that? I think he can. The Dolphins offense with Tua, guys, has not been good. Like, I think we, we're, under, we're not even talking about this because the Dolphins have, so Tua started five games, all right? When he has been leading a drive, and we're throwing out the two one-yard touchdowns that he got because the defense got him the ball at the one-yard line, okay? So throw those two out. Those do not count here. When he's been leading this offense, they're averaging 17 points, and they've had eight touchdowns in five games. They don't score points on offense with two in the game. They, they try almost not to sometimes. The Chiefs' defense has allowed 21 or less points, Dave, eight times this season. We're I, I don't know how. That's why I think this game is like an ugly close game with the Chiefs looking at forward to the Saints a little bit and just like it's outside of the heat. And so I just think it's ugly, low scoring, probably Dolphins plus seven in the under. I like the under. I'm betting the under. Um, but I just think it's ugly. Straight up, straight up gut pick, heart pick, uh, what I want to see. This is, I, I try my best to not uh, make picks uh, with my heart, but I, I, this is the last chance. I really want to focus in on this. I'm taking the Dolphins plus the seven here. Oh, no, oh I, I think that's a good bet. Because because also, and people keep talking about this, are that at what point is Flores gonna say we just gotta put Fitz Fitzpatrick in? I don't in think there? he's making the decision. You I really? I think it's upstairs, yeah. I think I think that Fitz I think Fitz would be playing. It's clear he's better right now than Tua is. But I, I mean, if they get down ten, you don't think that Flores goes like, "All right, listen, for this week, let's see I mean, if, we if, if the against, old man can pull off a big rally." We saw him do it against Denver. I mean, maybe if they're down ten with, you know. But here's the thing about being the Chiefs, Dave, is you you better either score with no time left on the clock to beat. Them, I know, right? You're right. Or you have to be up like nine with two minutes left. Like you're just not. It's just so hard with that Chiefs offense to to. So, I mean, for Dolphins to win, they're going to have to be up like. I, 28 to, to 18 with 10 minutes, left, like with five minutes left. Do you, do you see that? Ha- 20. I, I don't see that happening. Nah, that's, the I hear that's, you. that's the hard part about being the chiefs. It's like, you have to be, I mean, even in the games, they've looked bad. Like, like the, like the Broncos game on Sunday at no point in the, in the second half did I think like, Oh, the chiefs are going to win this game. They're, they're actually winning the entire fourth quarter. The Broncos didn't even threaten them. They won by well, six. It was like, whatever they like, there's no, there was no, I, did you feel at all in the second half? She's going to lose that game. Uh, yeah, I thought there was a, I, I mean, did I think they were going to, oh, I thought there was a, I thought it was right there for the Broncos to make a play. I, they, um, they, they have drew lock. They couldn't. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I mean, again, I, the thing that we accept is when a team is good, the human nature, otherwise that what's in front of your eyes, you, you don't think is going to, to change. And so I feel like everybody has decided that the chiefs, myself included, it's hard to imagine them losing games. Do you think they will lose a game before Jan- what is it January third? I think the Saints game if Breeze comes back. Okay, well then in that case the Steelers would have to run the table in order to get the number look, one seed. Like I think I think that the Saints can do it. Look again, I I, the Chiefs are far from perfect, but this is what people don't, especially Steelers fans, don't understand. And I, not you, Dave. The internet. Okay, listen to me. I don't know who these people are because I I've yet my, to you see, see you. My provi- tweets. Go look at no, the I don't because you 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 keep doing this, but you never provide the evidence of who the Steelers fans are who are like, oh, we're better than the Chiefs. Nobody no, thinks no, that. No. Nobody, no Here's Steelers fan thinks that. People, people, no. Listen to what I'm saying. People are upset. The Steelers do not get the same benefit of the doubt as the Chiefs do, right? 
But the reason why is the Chiefs have shown they can play poorly for a half, be down 24 nothing in a playoff game, and win that game by four touchdowns. Like, they've proven That's true. that right. they can do this multiple times. Now, is, it, is it good to be behind every playoff game? Absolutely not. I think I think I would like to see the Chiefs, as a Chiefs fan, I want to see them blow teams out. I think it's not good that they're keeping these games close because when you get the playoffs, yeah, okay, flip a switch. Sure, it's the NFL, guys. It's hard to just flip a switch in the NFL. So there is some concern I have that they're not blowing teams out. 100%. The, the idea they're bored or waiting for the postseason, it's all true in my opinion. But again, Dave, like there's something to it, right? Like, like just like you're kind of keeping these games too close. You haven't covered four straight weeks. Like, So blow someone out. So I hear you. The, the thing about the Chiefs have the benefit of the doubt because they've done this. Pittsburgh hasn't been in this situation in years. How do I trust them in a playoff game? When I, I should trust them. Tomlin's good, big bet, but they haven't done it. Well, here's the disaster for the Steelers fan out there is that the Steelers, I mean, number one seed, realistically, I hate to uh, pee on people's holiday season, but it's highly unlikely that the Steelers are getting a one seed. More likely is that they fall to a three seed if they don't beat Buffalo this weekend. That's possible. Wouldn't and that be better like, though, because then you would play. You won't play the Chiefs till the very end. Um. Well, no. That, that either way, oh, so, if there's yeah, two or three seed, right, doesn't yeah. make a difference. Um. But they would. Uh, what What is tracking now is like I say. All these ideas of like we we decide if when you look at the standings like oh how are they going to make how are the Ravens going to make up the games that they need to catch the Dolphins because the Chiefs beat the Dolphins that's why and how are they going <laughs> to catch the Raiders because the Colts beat the Raiders or the Raiders beat the Colts and one of those two teams falls closer down in the in the standings people somehow fail to do that uh, straightforward math give us your picks here real quick spaghetti though first of all uh, Dolphins. Uh, plus seven hosting the Chiefs. How say you? No, nah, I like the the Chiefs in that one. Uh, Jeff was kind of hitting on it too. Two has not looked uh, like Alabama too, and I just think the Chiefs may go on a a war path now that they got they smell a little blood in the water from the Steelers losing, and they know this is a big game versus the Bills. So. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a great point that I do think teams look. I think players look at that stuff. Um, I don't know. You know, by the way, maybe two. Uh, uh, has another gear that um, the, that is he gets a little more comfortable. He'll start to play a little bit better. Um, Schwartz, tell us your pick on the Colts uh, at uh, the Vegas Raiders. They're Raiders at home I, plus I three. I don't know about this game, Dave. Like I don't feel I don't feel great either way. I think I would lean. I agree Raiders. with you about that. I, I, I think I would. I, I'm not. I didn't gamble on this game personally. Um, I did. Like I said, I took the Chiefs Dolphins under. I took the Steelers in real life. Like I just. I think I would lean Vegas here plus three, but I I don't feel great about it. Well, we uh, support. We're a pro car family um, show oh, we, here. Oh, we are now. Okay, I was just curious. Oh, we're getting David Carr on, and we're going to have that powwow at some point of uh, the the uh, two uh, pro football players who have bro- younger brothers who are still toiling in the AFC West. We'll have that head to head conversation at some point soon. Um, I feel like I, I'm, I'm pot committed at this point to the Colts um, and riding with them. And at some point, we do have to have this conversation, Shorts. I love, you know, I love the what if and spaghetti as well. We'll, we'll figure this out together. We got to figure out the what if Andrew Luck hadn't retired in 2019 of how much that would disrupt what we've seen in the last uh, almost two seasons. If Andrew Luck is still on the Colts, because Phil Rivers obviously isn't in Indianapolis in that situation. Is he in New England right now? And are they better than they would have been with Cam Newton? And would the Colts have made a playoff run last year? I think 
You can do the math. I've looked at the 2019 schedule for the Colts. There are at least three wins that they get if it's not Jacoby Brissett and Andrew Luck. And they're in the playoffs. The Titans are not. So then I think the Ravens maybe go to the Super Bowl um, because they wouldn't have lost to the Titans. Anyway, we got to figure that out. Um, I'm going with the Colts minus three. Spaghetti, how say you? It would make sense for me to go with the Colts. Um, I loved uh, Michael Pittman as their receiver. He's going to be great. And I think Jonathan Taylor finally had a, a decent game for them. But told you that was coming. That's just I'm just playing uh, yeah. the pedigree. But matter, I'm yeah, not matter wrong. of time. But the Ra- home dogs, the Raiders are home dogs are getting three. I for some reason uh, Derek Carr just finds a way. I mean, Darren Waller had a humongous game. I I trust them. They're just they're a pesky team that that'll find a way to get it done. I love them getting a, a, a few points there. So I'm actually going to go with the Raiders again. The thirty thousand foot view of pro football is uh, owed to uh, the conversations I've had with people who are plugged into pro football. The defense, it's time now for NFL defenses to rise up and be a bigger and bigger factor. I'd be excited if I were a Washington fan right now um, because of that. If Washington gets into January and they're playing somebody, what an exciting um, end of the season that could be. And it would be owed entirely to the pass rush. They could they can beat yeah, almost that, they could beat almost anybody. I don't think I, I mean like I, okay. The, the, they, the problem is not having that tiebreaker against the Giants. Like that kind of crush. That's them, right. right. That's, that's right. I agree. That's, but that's I'm just saying, but also to that point we were talking about, I love the holiday season is great. Even if you're a Chiefs fan or you're a Packers fan, obviously you're excited for the postseason. But you have to, it's not, you're, you're, the Giants, Eddie Spaghetti ain't winning the Super Bowl this year. But don't get down on yourself and and uh, and get down about our jokes about them. This is an exciting time for you and your family because if you get into the playoffs or if you, you know it's just week to week and you're watching the other games, oh, what's Washington doing? Oh, oh, they're down four right now in the in the fourth quarter. Like, oh, they, that this is an exciting time if you're that middle class team trying to scratch into the postseason. It's a it's, 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 it's some of the most memorable sports fan moments of my life are when I knew my team wasn't going to win the title, but just by you know being disruptor and getting into the postseason and ups uh, pulling a big upset in the playoffs, these are some of the the great memories of being a sports fan. I mean, yeah, you don't have to tell me twice. I mean, I'm I'm enjoying. Um, it's a lot of the outside stuff that I'm enjoying. The just the the aura, this like feeling of the team. You have Joe Judge wearing um, you know uh, all Miss stuff because he made a bet with Evan Inger. Like there's a there's a unity with this team. And yeah, there was a little hiccup with the offensive line fight, but that was between uh, you know Joe Judge and, and and Colombo. But it's a lot better than. And half the team being on a boat in like Miami during a week off, and it's like, ah, don't boat us now. Spaghetti. No, but I'm, my point is there was clearly a sense, and actually Odell Beckham just had an interview where he kind of talked about this. There was this weird kind of post Coughlin, the, the stretch with Shermer and 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 McAdoo was a weird time for the Giants, and hmm. it's a lot better for the fans overall to buy into a coaching staff. Um, and even Garrett's doing his job as of late, and and most importantly they're not worrying about what position they're picking in the draft. They're worried about winning football games versus good teams and to get into January and to, and to hopefully host a playoff game, maybe versus Tom Brady's bucks. And we know his history with the giants. So like, there I mean, you go. What a fun one. There you go. Are, that's what we're looking forward to. That's fun. Um, Schwartz, uh, let's bring it on home here with one more pick here relevant to, uh, to the AFC North and to the yeah. AFC seedings in general. I mean, I the one I keep talking about is, and I know I'm Steeler-centric in my own brain, those uh, the, are my go-tos. I think about the, uh, the year that the Steelers finally, after many moons of not winning a Super Bowl, did get over as a sixth seed. And that was, oh, they were in that spot. They were a good team 
that people kind of forgot about because Roethlisberger got hurt in the middle of the season and Tommy Maddox was uh, was terrible and he threw a couple games away. And then the Steelers scratched their way into the sixth seed yeah. and then they ran the table from there. I think that's the Baltimore Ravens right now. Uh, people have decided like, ah, well, the Ravens are done. Um, they're, they're not relevant anymore. And I told you before, not you, I told uh, everybody before, yeah. They're gonna they're gonna whip the Cowboys, of course, and now a big one. Everybody's feeling the Browns. the The roller coaster ride of Baker Mayfield. He's good again, everybody. I don't know if you heard, um, but the Ravens with Calais Campbell back in there, yeah. he's got to look better than he looked the other night as he gets back up to speed. And in Gakway and the rest of them, you heat up Mayfield. And um, I mean, I love that that the ground attack that Cleveland's got going there, but I think uh, Baltimore reminds everybody who's boss and i think that they on monday night beat the browns i'll say you uh, ravens by the way minus one and a half going into cleveland i i like the ravens as well in this game um for some of the reasons i don't think they're going to be a, a nuisance in the playoffs but i think they're they're getting everyone back healthy and they looked a lot better against a bad dallas defense we know that but here's the thing really you don't think that there's I mean, well listen uh, i mean they, you're, they, you're not they, thinking they, about the rivalry aspect if it goes if it's if it's ravens as a seven seed playing at number two Seed Pittsburgh, oh, sure. or for that matter, if they're playing at the, who are you taking if they're playing at the Bills in the Wild Card Weekend? If the if it's Ravens Bills. at Bills, Bills, bro. really? Okay, all right. I, mean, I, I think the Ravens are a very scary bottom seed it, there. This is the thing about, about the NFL. Things change every month. Like we have a month left for the playoffs. The Ravens could rip off four in a row, and I'd be like, oh well, I'm gonna take the Ravens. Right. Um, right. I think the Browns are riding a little bit too high. Um, Last weekend was an interesting game, up 38-7. to seven, And then the second half, they scored three points. Like, they were, like what happened in the second half? They allowed a bunch of points. That game, they're up 38-7. to seven, And for that, that game that came down to an onside kick, Dave. An onside kick. They're up 38-7. I know. Um, and- That's owed to the fact of exactly what we said. We called that one exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Boy, the Browns are really beating up in the secondary. Ryan Tannehill's going to have a good day. You know who else is going to have a good day? Anybody throwing against the Titans secondary. Yeah, I, know. I mean, they, they don't play defense. So this is the, so I, I got to see Baker Mayfield against pressure. Like he's not right. against pressure, like not even close. And the Ravens dial, dial up a ton of pressure against, against Mayfield. Um, I, I have an interesting take that I think is going to be proven right at the end of this. I was very impressed with Kevin Stefanski's game plan the other day. In fact, the entire team I thought was excellent. I think the end of the season, they're going to look at themselves and they're going to have to make a decision. Are we going to pay Baker Mayfield or are we going to be the Kansas City Chiefs of 2017 and trade up for a quarterback? Because I think their roster is good enough to compete for a Super Bowl. Look at look at the pieces they have in place. Great offensive line, elite pass rusher, good secondary. You can add more pieces. Is it time to get yourself your Pat Mahomes, essentially? I'm not sure there's that guy in this draft. Maybe it's Zach Wilson from BYU. Maybe it's this guy from, from North Dakota State. Someone... But I don't. I just don't. I don't think Baker's the guy in the end. And I know it just feels weird saying that after a good half of football. But I. I just. I gotta see more. I gotta see more of this. I have to see it this weekend. Baker's got to play well against the Ravens and the Steelers. That's right. For this all to matter. Right. He's got those are the two. He's got now. He's got the. It's right there in front of the Browns. And by the way, Miles Garrett is the Browns nominee for the Walter Payton Man of the Year about six or I don't remember six weeks, six months. I don't remember how long ago it was. He, he assaulted another human being with a, with a deadly object. Now he's the man of the year. For the I thought that was Brown. a little interesting. I feel like that. Yeah. I, I, I don't know Ridiculous. why. I'm Ridiculous. just sort of surprised why he gets a pass on that. So still like, 
He might be the greatest guy ever. Chris Long says he's the, the greatest dude ever. I know he but, does. I, I, I but believe like, me. What, but, but like, we've never, this doesn't happen ever, ever. When's the last time a player had someone else in the helmet? Uh, well, took, I mean, took his office. It doesn't happen. Like, why is this? Why did he get a, such a big pass for this? A broader question is why do some guys get a second act, get a chance to uh, redeem themselves in human terms, and other guys just never get that chance? Well, I mean, I'm not talking you're, about well, any. Because your ta- well, you, if your talent outweighs your problems, you always get a chance. I, I think you know who I'm talking about. There's a guy uh, who plays on the other side of the Ohio Pennsylvania border that no matter how. Uh, straight a line he toes, no matter how good a teammate he is or otherwise, it's like, wow, but uh, he's your quarterback. Like, uh, like, I don't, listen, Jim Brown threw a woman off a balcony and is lionized now by things. It's like, what, what the hell are we doing here? What would the inconsistent um, thing? Why are you throwing your head back there, Spaghetti? That's true. He did. That's a true. I'm not making anything up. I, I, I know. I know that. I just thought uh, middle of uh, week 14 picks, we're not going to get uh, Jim Brown throwing women's stories. That's, that's all right. All my last, my last question shot. for you is this, Schwartz. How would Spaghetti's Giants be if they had Saquon Barkley all year? Would they? Would they? Would they be seven and five right now? They'd be the exact same record because running backs do not matter. Aha! We agree on that. We agreed a lot. Uh, this uh, they might, this they might actually be they might actually short. be worse because they force fed Saquon Barkley instead of letting Daniel Jones throw the ball. Huh. Interesting thought there. Listen, the bottom line is it's an exciting time for pro football fans, and there aren't very many. Uh, weekends to enjoy left on the slate there. It's running out quick. And then what are we going to have? Well, I guess baseball and stuff like that, but that's not as good as football. So enjoy it while you can. I hope you're enjoying the holiday season here. These are a lot of fun games on the slate here. We appreciate you following along here on minus three, play along with us at fanduel.com slash minus three and uh, good stuff. Jeff Schwartz, Eddie Spaghetti, make sure you're listening to uh, Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you and all his great work there. I mean, the main thing to do with Schwartz is just follow him along on his social media stuff because he uh, pimps it endlessly and you can click into any and all of it. And it's, uh, it's good insights. As you just heard here over our rangy conversation there, including his, uh, what was it? Messy bow talk. Uh, more messy bow, more uh, more from the catalog of messy bows upcoming. Sloppy bows, sloppy bows, sloppy bows. Um, we'll have more of that uh, for you going forward here. Until then, for and thanks again uh, also to Ross Tucker. But uh, thanks, Spaghetti. Thanks, Schwartz. Enjoy uh, the football weekend. We'll talk to you on the other side of that. Until then, it's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>